0: Welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, part of the Beautiful Game Network, and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we finally have a real game to talk about. We finally got to watch the team play for 90 minutes in front of us. Uh, Well, in front of me. Anthony wasn't there, because, you know, Ah. he is. Uh, But uh, Andrew Tenari gets a brace. They come from behind. They beat Toronto FC two to one. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk to Steven Etcheverria. We're going to preview the game against Atlanta FC two this coming weekend. Uh, we'll do a X Red Bull uh, report and a little USL roundtable. Uh, joining me tonight, as always, one of my favorite uh, mean-spirited people. It's Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony.
1: Yeah, you can't call me a troll anymore after your rant on uh, on, on um, seeing red this week. Welcome to the club.
0: Uh, you don't understand the definition of troll. If I was just I trying, if I was just trying to get a rise out of people, they were getting a rise out of me. I was being trolled.
1: Oh, you you sound like me. You sound <laughs> just like me.
0: <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. Right now, Anthony oh, so and I proud are like you. are like I am Carpo so proud and of Lucy. You our hands are moving. We're standing in a doorway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great. I and I'm so happy that we have USL games. Like, I, it's not just this Red Bull 2 game, which I was very happy to watch. Um, but just having the USL back in general, the the storylines that went into it and it feels a lot more especially this year like a European league, like 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 a year, like the championship or something where There's so many colorful personalities across the league. It's it's awesome. This is going to be a great year to follow the league.
0: It's definitely growing into itself, and there are so many teams my head is spinning trying to uh, preview all these matches. Uh, But let's talk about two teams in particular. We finally got a great look at Red Bull 2 and a team that we knew almost nothing about last week, uh, Toronto FC 2. Red Bull comes into this game uh, I think that they were favored uh, just because of their pedigree, and even though they control almost the entire first half, they fall behind. Uh, defensive laps, they get caught on the counter. It's one nothing, and they just struggled to really find their rhythm. And even with that, they were finding chances, but they just could not get into a rhythm. And I, you know, I was I was uh, sending messages to you. At halftime, like, oh, man, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if Tanari can work out as number 10. Uh, But here we are. Second half comes around. They settle in a little bit more. I think there's still some issues uh, offensively for the team, but they managed to uh, put together a solid enough performance to come from behind. But they had to rely on Luck and Evan Loro coming up big.
1: Well, I, I... I agree with that. That there's issues with the offense. I think a majority of that is whether or not Stefano Bonomo is going to be the lead striker on this team. I thought that White, man, I I don't know how you how you don't score on on the kind of opportunities that he had. And and maybe it's just a blip, and it's and it's you know first game jitters or whatever. But uh, I, I, if, if Bonomo is not going to be the number one striker on this team. There, there's going to be some issues, and, and and this is the same problem that they had in 2017 um, when Brandon Allen was making the transition to the first team. They they had a hard time finding that striker until Bonomo came back from his injury. Uh, the the real thing for me is is this defense that we we're still in panic defense um, in regards to the center backs with uh, Hassan and Dom. Um, rash tackles all over the place but now he's got a clone in tommy redding who's willing to do the exact same kind of craziness at random times so my my big concern going in is what happens when you face a usl a non-two team that knows that the back line is is panic ridden at times
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I I think that Redding did not start out well, struggled specifically during two very big moments. The first one led to a goal, the second one to a penalty kick. Uh, But I think he started to settle in a little bit. And I think, you know, that's part of his transition here. But I don't like the way that the backline looked in general, uh, playing the five in the back. Uh, We've seen the first team do this. Ethan Cutler and Nico Devera did, I think, good enough jobs. But that there there seems to be some communication issues, uh, specifically having Endom, uh, Redding and Scarlet out there. I think once Pilots came into the match, it did help settle things down a little bit. There were still some nervy moments, and that's part of the the Red Bull press and how that can be high risk and high reward. But I think I think overall, when you've got three guys, specifically those three guys out there. There seemed to be issues about you know who should move where and when, whose responsibility it was to pick up runners as they came through the middle, and a little bit of that uh, you know last ditch effort tackles that could either make or break you.
1: Here's a question about when it comes to Tommy Redding, um, and 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 I'm going to be very critical of him here because you know he was part of a trade and before Tim Parker came into the equation, the discussion was, well, Tommy Redding may be that guy to be next to Aurelian Collin once he's healthy. Uh, and, and you know, that may sound ridiculous now, but that, that was the conversation for a while amongst fans and pundits alike. What? How long does it take you to be integrated into any team in general? Because he, he came along a lot sooner than some other players on this team. Like and and he looked lost at times in this game. So so I I just wonder like what is you know, well you need some time, but like well how much time is that? You know, you were here during preseason. Are you just not are you are you just not fit with the system? Are you just not that good in general? Like what is it exactly?
0: I think that you might have touched on two of those things there. He's 21 years old, okay. So he he does have a little bit of time to grow, but in this kind of system, you have to hit the ground running. You have to understand that part of the the, the biggest challenge for center backs across the one and two team is that the uh, the importance of each person in that back line uh, being able to completely handle anything thrown at them is uh, not insignificant uh, amongst what other players on the field have to do because in the midfield during the press you have guys who are sort of backing you up as as the whole team moves but because the team tends to push so high they leave a ton of space behind them and any misstep uh, is catastrophic and because that rate of failure uh, it can be so large for a player coming in, that can be a little bit overwhelming. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of time to, to come through with that. And you're right. When when he came to the team, people were thinking he was going to be the guy slotting out, not necessarily next to Aurelian Collin, but replacing him in the lineup. Because I think a lot of people were thinking about, you know, aurelian has got this injury history now. Can we rely on him for the whole season? And what are we going to get? <coughs> oh, I got to get some more. Hang in there. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, in the first game, I'm willing to to overlook a little bit of it, and i think I think five in the back is just not a good fit for those three players because then essentially while the the fullbacks are pushing up, they have to play a three man back line, so they don't even have cover from the wings, and that that could be very difficult and you know at, at times this past weekend, it was even disastrous.
1: Yeah, it's quite predictable, um, and and I'm never met a fan of the five-man backline for that reason. I I, I think it's an—and this is just my opinion, but um, I think it's an antiquated way to play the game unless you have incredibly dynamic players that can compensate for the issues that that presents, and I just don't think that on the USL level you're going to find that those kinds of talent. So I think you have to have the kind of formation that— uh, best fits in with the type of players that you have, and a five-man backline is really difficult. It looks great going forward, and at times um, it did. And this team should have scored way more goals than they did on yeah. on Saturday. But, but, uh, but when when you get caught, and or at the very least the other team has possession of the ball, it's a very very different story.
0: Yeah, I think I think at uh, MLS level. You get a little bit more cover because teams aren't necessarily playing counter uh, all the time. Maybe a couple years ago, if you move into that like uh, early aughts uh, section of of league play, you saw a lot more of that. But teams want to hold possession, they want to attack, they want to play that uh, beautiful soccer. That's not the case at the USL level. So many teams are willing to sit back and counter, and yeah, it could be it could be disastrous. So hopefully, they move back to the four in the back. I think that will, will do a world of good for whoever ends up being back there. You mentioned that they had created a lot of shots. 31 shots in this match. 31. <laughs> and just two goals. Brian White probably how many were had. How many were on target? Oh, that's a good question. I had that somewhere, but I don't have it with me right now. Um, but a significant amount. Certainly more than the two that they scored. Brian White could have probably had two hat-tricks in this match. As you said, he was uh, a little bit unlucky, maybe just first-game jitters. Uh, I would be worried about him if he wasn't finding any chances, uh, because that is a bigger problem to fix for a striker. At least he was getting in the right areas and making the right runs, but just unlucky on the day. And, you know, props to uh, Toronto FC's goalkeeper who did, I think, a fantastic job. Uh, Evan Loro. Huge match from him. He has three saves in this match, but uh, two of them saved the game and saved the points. TFC, I thought, was was basically awful. They never looked good, but they had three good opportunities, and they almost made Red Bull pay on all three. Ben Spencer uh, gets the penalty. It's saved by Evan Loro. Um, fun fact, I had typed up the tweet uh, goal Ben Spencer uh, from the spot <laughs> and just instinctively hit enter as soon as he kicked the ball like an idiot. And uh, then had to very quickly go and delete that tweet. <laughs> Good job. But Good job, Joe. Arguably, I jinxed him, and he missed because of me. So there's that. <laughs> I, I don't think they looked as bad
1: as, your, as you're saying.
0: They they but didn't do I, anything other than sit behind the ball and look to, to spring well, the attack.
1: But I'm, I'm, I, I would argue that there's going to be a lot of teams this year against Red Bull 1 and 2 that may look like they don't yeah. do a lot but they the the purpose is let these guys run around us if they don't do anything or they don't produce anything uh, legitimate and we'll wait for their openings i mean we've seen that i remember 2 years ago ben olson you know the great ben olson um you know saying that you know fine we'll surrender possessions to the red bulls because we know at some point they're going to give us an opportunity and right. it's our job to just take to take advantage of right. those opportunities and in the first half, Toronto did that. And that's why they were up one one nothing. They should have been up more than that, actually, with, with the kind of opportunities that were being given up. But they, it, it, we might see a lot of teams do that. And, and we might be sitting here going, like, why did this team win? They didn't look that great. I, the strategy might just be let them run around. They're, they're a bunch of young kids. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be busy bees all over the field. But at the end of the day, what are they really going to do? Do they really have a sting? And I think that that's what Red Bull needs to prove. If you're the kind of team that that buzzes around the field and makes things happen, teams will um, will react to that. But if you're the kind of team the way the Red Bulls were, Red Bulls two were last year and didn't necessarily do that until late in the season, you're not gonna scare a lot of people with your with with the with the high press or the fast movement of wingers down, you know. It's just it just it just won't work. They'll just let you let you run yourself tired and take advantage of you late in the game.
0: That's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. A couple more things to go over very quickly. Um, <clears throat> we mentioned at the top, Andrew Tenari gets a brace that matches his total from 2017. So great job, Andrew. Uh, I'm sure that John expected you to be uh, producing goals in this game to, to win the match. <laughs> Um, Ben mines, I think he had an okay game, but I think we see a little bit of where he can grow and develop. He struggles specifically when he gets down the line, he can get down the wing, but once he's there, what do what does he do with the ball? He hesitates to shoot and he can kind of be fouled out of the game. So that can be a, a bit difficult for him. <laughs> Nico Devera, I think, uh, was one of the bright spots for all, all of the new players that came into the club. Um, he he showed a lot of energy he did a good job sometimes he got caught a little bit uh being a little bit undersized where he would make a tackle but not actually win the ball uh but overall i thought he did really well he served in some good crosses and he he just added another dimension that i think helped uh, create the number of shots that they got but let's go to man of the match anthony who you got Oh, undoubtedly Andrew Tanari. There's no way
1: that you can score two goals in this game uh, and and not be the man of the match. I'll tell you
0: how. Oh, Evan, Evan Loro saving the penalty kick, saving the breakaway, huge, huge for this club. That's what got them. It that, that's what kept them in the game. Allowed Tanari uh, to score the, those goals. So I'll give it to him. Bo-ha-ha. Well, you're wrong, but we'll we'll move on. No, you're wrong. <laughs> But, I, you know, a close second was Andrew Tanari for sure. Uh, ooh, excuse me. Uh, we've got an ex-Red Bull 2 report to bring to you guys. We're going to be doing this every week. Uh, obviously, there's a number of players who have been with this team and are now are around USL. Um, uh, there are some players that are playing in other countries, but for right now, we're going to focus on the USL. And I, if I didn't put this together right before the show, I probably could have done a more complete job. So... Look for them. No one would have known that if you hadn't said that, Joe. Well, because I'm sure that, you know, I'll mention these guys and then I'm going to get somebody like, "What about this person who plays for this team? You didn't even say nothing about him. See, the big problem is you listen to them. Also, who in the New York
1: New Jersey area sounds like they're from Kentucky?
0: Everybody, everybody here. You never heard you never heard people talking like that walking down the New York City streets. I mean, I have, but not if they're from New York. Say howdy, partner. I hate you so much. <laughs> okay, let's start with Brandon Allen uh, playing for Bethlehem Steel. He has two goals in a 4-1 route of Richmond kickers. Both goals were kind of fun. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. Typical uh, Brandon Allen trickery in the box, but his, his, his foot is, is magical, and he, he can find that from just about anywhere if he gets the ball in the 18-yard box. Uh, Justin Bilyeu did not play with Swope Park Rangers. He has a torn meniscus. He underwent surgery. It was successful, but he's going to be out a number of weeks. Junior Flemings uh, was in the 18, but did not make an appearance for Tampa Bay. Uh, David Najem was in the starting lineup. He drew a penalty, and the Rowdies won 3-1 to over North Carolina F.C., uh, Devin Speedy Williams did not play for Louisville City in their win over Nashville. And uh, Corey Herzog, we're going way back. He wasn't really NYRB2, but still, uh, played 58 goal and did not score for his new team. And I did not write it down like a fool. He's playing for a team St. in Louis. the South. St. St. Louis? Okay.
1: He's playing for St. Louis, yeah.
0: Whew. Jeez.
1: Formerly, this time last year, scoring a goal and lifting a kid. And uh, we're listing one of the ball boys uh, in uh,
0: Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Pittsburgh will obviously get their start this week, and I'm very excited to see how that goes down. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have an interview with Steven Echevarria. Stick around. back we're joined now by the Red Bulls new number 55 Stephen Echeverria how are you doing Stephen I'm doing well how are you doing we're doing very well I think uh thank you so much for joining the show thank you guys for having me thank you so walk us through your experience of your first uh real pro game uh, playing in Red Bull Arena against Toronto FC maybe not exactly how uh, you guys drew it up beforehand but you still walked away from uh, with the win
2: yeah, well, um, that being said, you know, we walked away with three points on obviously a big day for us. Our opening day, like in the arena, I think probably bigger than most of the opening days that we've had, like in Rebel Two's history. So it was pretty special to be a part of. And um, yeah, it really didn't go at all how we had planned. But um, I think as a team, like we grew a lot in those 90 minutes. So it was a really good opportunity and a special day.
1: Uh, Steven, what was, you know, you, you've been part of this organization for a while as well with the, with the PDL team and with John Walnick. Um, what were the major differences now that you're playing here on the pro level in a USL league that has grown quite a bit when it comes to uh, talent?
2: Yeah, well, so everything's uh, it's just a level up. But um, in terms of like the speed of play, the quality of the players around you, everything's like one step higher than than i was used to previously but i will say that i does does a great job of integrating young guys from the academy level um into usl trainings and first team trainings uh from when we we're as young as you know 16 uh, a lot of the time so it wasn't too big of a transition for me which i think has allowed me to to do pretty well quickly um and i think that's all in parts of rebel so it's been pretty
0: cool and I'm sure part of uh, making the transition easier, uh, besides playing with a number exactly. of guys that you'd played with at the PDL level, uh, is your teammate at Wake Forest, Kevin Pollitz. And you finished up as captain there for uh, 2017, right? What was that experience yeah. like, yeah. and what kind of things did you learn?
2: Well, so Kevin and I are both, I mean, we're captains for the, our senior year, and it was a pretty cool opportunity because we were able to work with a really young team and work on uh, promoting like a, a certain type of culture and environment for, for the entire um, soccer program down there at Wake. So it gave us an opportunity to work on leadership and things like that. And a lot of those traits, I think, probably have carried over to this season. So even though, obviously, we're new guys to this team, um, there's a, a lot of young guys in the group that are going to be playing every game, like Ben Mines for example. So um, I think we learned a lot, and it's going to help us this year.
1: Uh, so there's a lot that's been made especially i mean we've been talking the praises of this usl team for you know two years now but um there's been a lot more mainstream um notice of the integration with the mls side uh who are some of the players that you've uh, on on the first team that you've learned a lot from so far in the short time you've been with this team
2: There has a, a ton of them really um i was at preseason camp in Tampa and then in, uh, Tucson, Arizona. So I had a good opportunity to, you know, meet both a lot of the guys at meals and, and trainings and whatnot. And, uh, I'd say probably Brad and Louise stuck out. I mean, obviously they're the leaders. So it's, it's, um, maybe not, maybe cliche for all guys to say that, but they're the ones that were really helpful. But uh, I think they're pretty special in terms of how just like, outwardly nice they are and how on like a personal level, they're just helping you with day-to-day things in terms of integrating quickly, uh, especially Brad, I'd say, because after my, my first game, uh, I played him a ball in behind, he scored a goal. And he was, I was admittedly a bit nervous before the game and throughout the entire time, he was like coaching me and just kind of saying like, just be confident, play with confidence. Don't, you know, worry about the moment. Don't worry about this or that. Just go and play. And I think uh, for me, that was really, really, crucial um starting
0: out here this year <laughs> kind of expanding on that a little bit uh, as you were coming up in the game who were some of your mentors that that really helped push you along and, and, and teach you the most
2: uh for me my older brother uh he, he started playing way before me he's about five years older so he taught me the game a lot and um he's someone i've always looked up to but also um at red bull i'd say there were a couple guys uh, a couple years older than me that were really helpful. Arun, who was here last year, um, always helped me out when I was in the academy. Nat Miaozga was another guy who, obviously, uh, did really well here with the first team. So, um, I'd say those two, uh, while while I was in the academy, were really, really crucial. Uh,
1: USL is definitely not a um, normal league um, in in regards to the schedule <laughs> and some of the and some of the weirdness that that it exists. Are there any players that gave you any um, any pointers on how to either stay fit or how to deal with some of the congested fixtures that happened during uh, during a USL season?
2: Um, I would say Jordan Scarlett has been uh, he's, he's a leader on this team for sure uh, in the back line, and uh, him and I talk a lot about different ways of of trying to stay and get even more fit on a day to day basis and how to be best prepared um for the the trains ahead and and the games that are, are coming up, so I'd say he's been one of the most pivotal guys for me since I got here in terms of taking my body my mind and everything to the next level to make sure that um come game day we can perform
0: now speaking of, of taking your mind and body to the next level um I hear that you are a vegan is that part of how you stay fit and and <laughs> you know what what's the story behind it?
2: Yes, uh, I think it's definitely helped me. And um, since I, I made the transition about six or six, seven months ago, and since then I, I feel that um, I've been I've been a lot more um, just fit. Like I can go for, for 90 without a problem. And sometimes after games I even feel like I can go work out or do something else because uh, I, I just have more energy, which has been really, really cool. I used to cramp a lot, uh, especially in the academy. Come like the 70th, 80th minute, I'd be like, ah, you know, I really had have to, have to grind through it. But now, um minute, I feel like I have like a second and a third wind where I can just keep going. And with the way that we play, with the constantly pressuring teams and winning the ball back, going winning the ball back, this and that, it's it's helped me to, to be on the front foot the whole time.
0: Uh, following up on that, so what facilitated that change? Was that someone um, uh, passed that advice along? Was it an ethical uh, obligation? Something like that? It actually, uh, no, it actually wasn't ethical at
2: all. It was, um, there were a couple of, of students at Wake Forest who were vegan and I was particularly interested. I was like, well, I had eaten, you know, meat and, um, animal related products my whole life. So I was really curious, like, why would you not eat them? Like, in my opinion, they were healthy at the time. And so, like, um, I just wanted to try it and I gave it three or four days and I was like, yeah, well, I feel kind of good. So I'm going to keep going. A week, turned to two weeks, and then here I am. It's been six, seven months, and I don't, I don't feel any need to turn back at this point.
1: Good luck with that, and um, when, when you guys make a trip to Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um... <laughs> Uh, it's um, shifting away from that a little bit and, and talking a little more about your influences. Are there any players in on the MLS level not Red Bull related or maybe even overseas that you really looked up to um, in regards to a playing style?
2: Yes, absolutely. So I'd say Andres Niesta and Thiago Alcantara, who plays for Barcelona, or for Bayern Munich, I'm sorry, uh, and Andres Niesta for Barcelona. Um, those two. I would watch their videos endlessly. You can ask Kevin Pollitt to Evan Loyal. I would be, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were in high school, in, in residency. We would be, like, between classes, we would just be pulling up videos, and those are the guys that I would always watch. So.
0: Very uh, low-key, unknown players, I would say.
2: Never heard of any of Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and uh, before, before we transition to the lightning round, um, what are your personal goals for this season?
2: my personal goal well, my personal, it, it may not be technically a personal goal, but I want to win the USL. Um, I, it's just been part of who I am since I was young. If I'm competing in something, I want to win it and it doesn't really matter what it is. So um, being really competitive, I, I want to win the USL. I don't care. if It's my first year. I don't care if we're a young team or a new team or this and that. I want to win it. Um, that's why I was so happy with getting three points in the first game because it sets us up for a, for a good season. I think getting off on a good note, but um, other than that i want to score a couple of goals of course i, I play as a deep line midfielder, so it's uh, not the easiest thing to do but i, I do want to get like four or five goals uh hopefully throughout the course of the season and um yeah i'd say those are the only two things that I, i'm really looking forward to doing this year
0: i think that's pretty fair um okay uh now we've got the lightning round we're going to ask you uh rapid fire uh, questions most of them are pretty silly or irrelevant um are you ready Yes, I am ready. Popcorn, yes or no?
1: Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek?
0: Star Trek. Arson vanger, in or out? Out. Mario
1: Kart or Mario Tennis?
0: Mario Kart, for sure. For sure. Marvel or DC? Marvel.
1: Here's a, This is a good one for me versus Joe. Manchester United or Liverpool?
0: <laughs> Liverpool. There you Definitely go. Liverpool. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Uh, we wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck this coming weekend against Atlanta.
2: Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me.
0: And when we come back, we're going to preview that game against Atlanta. So stick around. segment we're going to preview the game against atlanta united 2 and we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the happenings in usl and get to a question that we had last week but it came in after we began taping so we didn't get to it Uh, atlanta united 2 they've got a first-time coach in scott donnelly he's a former uh, assistant with the us youth national team for the u18s he was an assistant at southern illinois university uh, edwardsville cougars go cougars uh, he was promoted there, but uh, some circumstances of him getting the job with the US uh, USSF uh, meant that he never actually coached a game there. They've got uh, presumably Andrew Carlton, uh, although he he did see minutes for the first team uh, this past weekend, so who knows if he plays. Chris Goslin and Justin Garces, both players were with the U-17s at the men's national team or with the men's national team at the U-17 World Cup last uh, summer. They've got former St. Louis FC defender A.J. Cochran. He's been around USL for a while and I think is a pretty decent player. And Guam international Sean Nicklaw. Whew. Okay. We, we don't know anything else really about this team. This is very similar to what we had to deal with with Toronto last week. We know how Atlanta plays in MLS. Presumably they're going to want to be doing something similar with their youth setup. But what pieces they have to really make that tick. I think it's still anyone's guess having to travel down to Atlanta. I don't think we'll phase the red bulls. They've been all over the place over the last couple of months, uh, becoming a team for 2018. So I don't see them being phased by the environment or having to step up to the challenge, but we don't really have much to go on Anthony.
1: No, we don't. Um, Atlanta United's kind of a huge mystery. Um, again, like you said, we think they're going to play like the first team, but uh, it, it's really hard to tell with these USL squads, sometimes the two squads in particular, whether or not the first team cares so much. I mean, Toronto's a great example of that. They don't, as far as we've seen, there's no system or style that they play first team down to the uh, USL level. And um, this is going to be a discovery of whether or not that's going to happen there as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just given how they entered MLS and uh, knew what pieces to get and how to compete in the league, they they seem to be at least ahead of the curve, I think, in terms of what a lot of teams have since responded to um, in what they want for attacking players. Right.
1: But uh, Yeah, but and, so, and, and you don't yeah, you don't buy your way though in regards to your um, minor league system. That's kind of what I'm getting at Marco's gonna be playing.
0: That's kinda what I'm getting at. Then I think that's the same thing that's happened with the Toronto FC too. They don't have the, you know, you said they don't have a path, that's absolutely true, but they also they rely so heavily on their uh, um They're big players, you know Javinko, Josie, and and Michael Bradley, Victor Vasquez, as these guys to really do all the heavy lifting for that squad, and everybody else kind of chips in. You can't exactly plan around that on a team that doesn't have those players. So it's anyone's guess how this is going to work out. I think that you're still going to get a side that looks to play an attractive brand of soccer and will play quickly and press similar to what the red bulls have done but i think you got to give the red bulls the edge in this match just because system above all i mean ev- everyone that's coming to the team uh tommy redding with as the exception understands yeah. their role and the system and is ready to, to hit the ground running i don't know if that's going to be true about atlanta
1: they should win. There, there's no reason that they shouldn't beat a team like Atlanta United Two, who is not. Did, I think this is their first ever game. Did they play? They didn't play. No, they this didn't week. play
0: last week. So this is their first um, game, and Red Bull yeah. defeated them uh, in MLS in their first game. Now, are we going to get a repeat?
1: Oh, you mean like like you're talking about last year? Yeah. Well, I mean that's totally a different story. I mean, that I mean. There's a lot of people that said that maybe Atlanta should have won that game. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think that's fair. But I, I you know, again, it, it depends on the coaching. It depends on the system, the style that they're going to play, and I, we we don't know what kind of a starting eleven we're looking at here, or what kind of MLS bench players aside from Carlton that might be coming down uh, in, in in that team. So there's a lot of mysteries. I mean, Red Bull Two should be able to handle a team that. Uh, has never played as a unit before, Um, especially one that doesn't necessarily have all the facilities and um, the integration that we've seen. There's no way that it could be expected of them in only one year to have created all of those integrations. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of mysteries but Red Bull 2 should be able to handle this.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think we'll probably see Miles Robinson. I don't think he's starting for the first team, but I could be wrong about that. Um, uh, along with Chris Goslin, uh, George Bello, maybe Lagos Kunga, uh, and then after that, who knows? Sal Zizzo could potentially play in this match. Wouldn't that be fun? See uh, Sal Zizzo that. again. Poor Sal. I, I don't know if I Poor feel Sal. Bad for Sal, Sal, Sal but... Sal's
1: pals. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like Sal. Look, Sal's not Sal was never a good fit with the Red Bulls. But I like
0: Sal. I wouldn't say he wasn't a good fit. He's just he's not a starter. He's a guy that that can help fill in and does a competent job. But, uh, you know, we were talking about those kinds of players before, but he's I don't think he's anything that, you know, I don't think they they necessarily miss him this season. But all right, let's get a prediction. We again, we know almost nothing about Atlanta United, too, but we're going to do this anyway. What do you got? Due
1: to the the weirdness of the defense, I'm saying three one Red Bulls two.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think that this is going to be the the game that uh, Brian White settles down. He's not in front of his friends and family, and he can relax a little bit. He'll score his first goal. I know that Stefano Bonomo is still making his way back from uh, minor injury. So I, I'm going to give this a uh, 2 nothing win for the New York Red Bulls.
1: Well, here's a here's a question that we didn't talk about before. Do you see Florian Velo playing in this game when really he shouldn't be anywhere near the second team?
0: Right. Well, so I think part of the reason that we saw him with the team had to do with the international spots. Because uh, Colin had not yet secured his uh, green card. And so you couldn't have him with the first team because... It was an additional international player. I think that's the reason that he was down with the two team. So we'll have to see. Let's hope so. Yeah, we'll have to see he, how that goes.
1: He looked a um a league above yes. if you know what I mean 100%, in that
0: Hundred percent. The same way that um when we were watching Derek any time that he played last year, where it was just like he shouldn't be out there. He he's he's grown past this league. Um, okay. Uh, USL, Anthony, hit me. What do you want to talk about from the opening weekend of the USL? I want to
1: talk about the entertainment that was Fresno's first game against uh, the Las Vegas Lights FC. I've never seen a team in my life put try their best to put out 10 forwards and a goalkeeper <laughs> than <laughs> Las Vegas Lights. They're going to be the most entertaining team in American soccer this
0: year win I, or lose yeah, I don't, because of how they play. I can't argue that. That was ridiculous. Um they jumped out to a 3-0 lead. Uh you know, you said that they they stacked their lineup uh, offensively and Fresno uh, looked shell-shocked even though it was their home opener. So for Fresno to still claw back, you know, it's a little bit like we were talking about Minnesota before. Uh Las Vegas has a, a, a the ability to put the ball in the back of the net it does not appear that they have the ability to defend whatsoever and it kind of reminds me of how uh the chivas team played under chelis uh when he was there that uh, with time oh you know what's so funny
1: is that chelis managed the team yeah but he's not the, he's, he's not the, he's coach. Not the coach anymore <laughs> he's their tech director but they are the most entertaining thing ever. Like it's, it doesn't make none, nothing they do makes any kind of sense.
0: Before they could even play their first match, he was promoted. <laughs> and so not part. only was he promoted, but he decided to
1: forego his promotion to coach in the first game of the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. The whole thing was oh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Between
1: that and and, and just the, the other the other thing I want to say was seeing North Carolina and. Um, and Tampa Bay, the two NASL sides played. They they played um, a notch above in regards to a game in in a lot of ways. They, they look they look great both sides, despite the score line for uh, for North Carolina. Um, uh,
0: I don't know if I would say they look great, but I think the rowdies look great in that game. And I I know that you just mentioned the the score line, but um, I don't know. I think North Carolina is going to struggle a little bit in ways that. Uh, Tampa Bay didn't when they came in. I think we're going to see them more in the vein of, of how Ottawa uh, kind of adjusted, where certain games they could really step up, but other games, because of the travel and the number of games they're going to have to play, uh, it was a little difficult. The other game that was a ton of fun uh, this weekend, Swope Park Rangers, 4-3 to three over Reno at Reno in the snow. Such a good game. Carleton, Such a good game. Carlton Belmar takes over this match. He's got two goals, two assists. I mean, what more could you even ask for from a uh, attacking player? Uh, obviously, Swope Park having some issues like uh, their MLS side. Not sure how to defend, uh, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, offensively this year.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few teams like that where you're. Um, it, it, it's almost like a minor league baseball mindset where it's just pure entertainment, Harlem Globetrotter style of uh, of sports. Ah, uh, it's, it's it's great. I, I love it. This is why I'm so excited about this USL season for things like this.
0: Now, one kind of funny thing. Total shots on target in this match for both teams, 13, right? And you got seven goals from those 13 shots. Uh, the Red Bull match was two to one and <laughs> a total of almost 50 shots, not all on target. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <that's> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, let's get to our question, and then uh, we can duck out of here. Again, this came last week. It was from our friend Patrick Dewan. Hi, Joe, Anthony, and Bill. Bill is not here, but he's here in spirit. Uh, given the, excess, uh, the success of the alumni of NYRB2, you know, Davis, Adams, Etienne, Velo, Bezacourt, Long, and uh, et cetera, does it put any additional pressure on this year's squad to stand out considering what a difference the young guys are making for the first team? Will the coaching staff be patient to produce another Florian below or will these kids be held to a standard set by the likes of Adams and Long? Uh, Anthony, I'll let you tackle that first. What do you think?
1: Uh, I I think you can't look at this as, um, uh, are are they going to impress and end up with, um, a gig on the first team with Red Bull? I think if you impress in the USL, you run the potential, Aaron Long is a great example. Um, you know, you impress, you can find yourself on another team somewhere and be very useful and eventually work your way up to an MLS squad somewhere else. USL now isn't just about impressing the squad that you're attached to. Yeah. <clears throat> so whether, whether or not they are able to look, w- w- when you have a, a stacked team of young players, there comes a time where the a glass ceiling comes into play where, you know, a bunch of 21 year olds, you're, probably not going to see a lot of, of breakthroughs for about five or six years. Yeah. But if you're impressive on, on the lower levels, you will find a a chance somewhere else on another team in MLS. So while it may not be on the, um, on the Red Bulls MLS side, yeah. Being successful on the Red Bulls two team will maybe get you a gig somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And you know, whether that's MLS or USL, I think that, uh, not only is that happening around the league where you see kind of these um, stalwart players kind of moving from place to place, you know, be it Corey Herzog, Speedy Williams, uh, but uh, the pedigree of what New York has been able to turn out, it, other teams are taking notice. And they, they understand that if there's if there's a spot like a center midfield uh, where it's crowded, they can swoop in and, and get those players, you know, to maybe uh, test the waters. So I think it's a good thing. I don't think that adds pressure to these guys at all. I think that uh, the guys under contract, they have two full seasons for the most part to, to really prove themselves. So a lot of uh, of what might feel like, you know, we got to get things done this year, this week, uh, this match can be mitigated a little bit by, by the idea that they have that time. Uh, I spoke about it last week, Florian Velo. <laughs> You know, we talked to him in October, and he's saying to us, like, you know, who knows what the future holds? I don't know if I'm even going to be here, so I'm just trying to relax and have fun. Uh, but he did enough to prove himself, and he's moved on to the next level. And I think that kind of attitude is is sort of what will help a lot of these guys. I don't think that they that they will need to feel that pressure. I think the staff does a good job of, of taking that away from them. Okay. I, I'm good. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Anthony?
1: Uh, aside from the fact that it's pretty awful that Red Bull 2 was the only team in the US that did not have a thousand people show up for their home game.
0: Yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah. I did a, an attendance <laughs> rant last night. I don't know if I need to do a second one today.
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh,
0: whatever. I, I, whatever. I, I, I'll just leave it as saying
1: that this team, um, there, there's something to be said that this town doesn't deserve how good this team is. Yeah. And I, I'll just leave it at that because a, a championship. And a, um, a never a season where they weren't in contention to potentially win a championship. Yet they can't get can't even get a thousand people into the building. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, okay, yeah. uh, that's all for us tonight. If you want to follow, well, why us...
1: can't I buy a Chivas ticket, Joe?
0: Do because you, it... <laughs> you have a press pass. You don't have to worry about buying the tickets. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Um, okay if you want to follow us on twitter i'm at underscore joe goldstein and i am at nyc soccer world and bill who is not here is at bill tnj if you'd like to follow the show and we hope you do we are at raising bull cast that's one bull raising bull cast i have exciting news anthony i do i do we are over 300 followers on twitter I feel very good about that. Hey, what? That. It's a, it's We're a... almost
1: matching Red Bull
0: to attendance. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is when you hate me. <laughs> I do a little bit, but it's okay. It, it's not you. It's the fans. Get out and come to the games, guys. You, what are you, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous.
1: We love you 300, though.
0: Yeah, no. The guys who come out are awesome. And we love them. Yes, we love the rampage. Yeah, you know what? Big ups to the the rampage this week, and I'll tell you why. They were singing, and I was happy. Yes, they sang. For and love that the two banner
1: um, that we saw in the. Um, I don't know if that was anything. I I saw the two banner on on the feet, and I thought that that was in honor of the two team. I don't know if it meant anything different, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I think uh, I think that was pretty great. Uh, where did I? Okay, Follow us on Twitter, right? We did that. Yes, Raising yep. Bullcast. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow us on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can come to our website, RaisingBulls.com, uh, for all of our episodes, up until when we we got our dedicated channel last year. Uh, as I've said time and again, we are part of the Beautiful Game Network. That's BGN.FM. We've got shows like The USL Show, Mongols for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. The Unused Substitute, St. Louis Soccer Report, Back Chat for the Colorado Springs, Tornado Alley for the Roughnecks, Play the Kids for the Timbers, too. So they've got a, a smattering of USL shows. You should definitely give them a, a, a listen. And you can find us and BGN.fm on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast. Look for us, find us, rate us, review us. It helps. Every bit helps. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Anthony Merced, Stephen Etreveria, thank you very much and have a good night. Oh, man, such a great slow clap. Bill has been so rushy in his claps.